Yeah, you can only do it if you uh, you sound like the uh, that grandma on Christmas vacation. Oh my god, I can't remember. I her. should say it. I should say it. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I mean, only if you do that. With this I think that's the key to our success. So, yeah. Oh my god. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to another Spotted Goats Epic Podcast. I'm Nathan. Oh, we're epic now. I'm I, Jeff. I, if I, I admit it, it's got to be epic. I upgraded us after one episode. One. You know what? We recorded it, so I'm proud of us. That's great success. <laughs> and we're still here. Well, also accompanying us is the our intrepid engineer, William. William, thank you as always for your help. We appreciate it so much. Uh, otherwise, um, yeah. I don't, uh-huh. want, to th- I don't yep. want to think about, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. yeah that's tell you what, there. tell you what. Uh, so, uh, what, what's going on with you, man? How's, how have things been? Uh, they have been. They've been? It, they've been. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mean, just like anybody else, when you're in that final year of counseling school and you're trying to work a full-time job and see clients and raise a child and be a good husband and contemplating the 18-hour drive to Vermont. Oh, God. Why would you go to Vermont? I don't know. Lack uh, of sense. That's what happens. That's what we're doing. I hear the, the syrup is delicious. Yeah, in the winter. It's like the Dr. Thunder version of Canada. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you go to Vermont in July because you want to be really ready for the leaf peeping. <laughs> you got to get so in bad. line early. So I can honestly say that... Uh, I've never thought of the phrase leaf peeping. Oh, yes, you have. You just didn't know you did. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that's been a great run. This is the end of... No. <laughs> yep. No, it's, it's, it has been an interesting time. We're in the middle of the summer. Uh, of course, you know, we, we'll go through the... You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, professional development. I'm working on, uh, working on a little side project that you know about that I'm not quite ready to talk about mm-hmm. yet, but it's uh, a, a mind expansion that I think is really fun. And um, we talked about last week just kind of our core values why we're here what we do and i think before we do uh before we go into any specific topic i thought that you know it would be good for us to take a moment just to take an honest audit of where christianity is at least through our lens once again this is not going to be the definitive answer uh this is not going to be the you know the definition of where all christianity is but once again you're here because you're listening to us sorry (laughs) so so where jeff in your opinion just I know this is wide open. I want Ooh, I want to yeah, I want to see me on the spot. I know. I want to see where this goes. Mm. Where is the American church today on every street corner in small town America? You better believe it. And then right across the street as well because we couldn't decide on the color of the hymnals. That's correct. So, yeah, I mean, you ask that question of various folks, they're going to tell you various things. Um, and I don't know how far down you want to go in this, but I mean, just to put it all out there, here we are. Um, hitting taboo and saying saying names and taking numbers, right? Um, you know, the, the Methodist Church right now, they're going through some big hard discussions about um, having gay folks in the laity there, mm-hmm. um, or clergy, excuse me. Yeah, clergy. Um, and then you've got the Episcopalian Church that has done this several years ago, and, and they feel fairly healthy. Um, and then you have churches, um, different churches popping up, community churches, emergent churches, um, and so I think there is this growth. I think what you find, what I find really interesting is how we have gone from churches that say First Baptist to 
conduit. Yeah. Right? It's it's kind of the church has morphed into this journey. Um, it's like our first race was who had the coolest name. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think part of that is because they're trying to reach folks. Sure. But I think those By folks, the way, and, and sorry, to, but by the way, yeah. our saying this is not saying that that's wrong, bad. <laughs> if you go to one of those churches, we hope it blesses people. We right. truly do. We're just, once again... We're trying to be honest with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no no condemnation whatsoever. Right. I truly feel my God is big enough to reach anybody in any way that he wants in any way that they need. And the reason I feel that is not because it feels good and gives me an out. It's because I see it in the word. Yeah. You That's know, the God we see that is, in the text. Yes. And uh, you're going to hear about it. Uh, Nathan does... Uh, kind of manage and teach one of our Sunday school classes here and facilitate, facilitate. And we, uh, we ask those questions. It's like, what do we see? And uh, we should have that as a bumper every now and then we should just go in the text. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, There you go. And, um, and so one of the things in that journey that I know I have seen that I maybe didn't see before is that God was willing to work with us from the very beginning. And, you know, we've had, ministers that we now call pastor because it's okay now and it wasn't then. Um, but we've had pastors that have come in and said things like, you know, um, God's willing to work with you. You look at different stories and um, you know, he would send someone somewhere to do something. And the individual was not really wanting to go and giving all of these reasons why not. And God would throw out, but they have, they have cows And these are great (laughs) cows. Have you considered the cows? I mean, I think that really shows that God is a God who wants to work with us. Mm -hmm. And I I really don't get a sense that he's saying it's got to be a this church or a that church. Of course. Um, But I think it's what those churches are doing. But but if we're being honest, let's let's just be straight up here. Uh, I feel, to your point, I feel like we're in the middle of like a a return, a resurgence of the late 90s church boom. Mm. A la Rick Warren, a la Bill Hybels, yep. where you know we—that's when we saw the birth of the seeker movement, where sure. all of a sudden churches were arguing over whether it's biblical to build a basketball goal right. or a basketball court. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're kind of seeing a second coming of that. It's—it's it's a renaissance of that expansionism. Yep of modern American evangelical Christianity. And I think it's, would you say that it's largely specific to evangelical American Christianity, this, this boom of location? Well, I think that's, that's a piece of it. Correct. Um, but I think there's also this undercurrent of folks that maybe didn't have the best examples in church. Right. And are feeling that there's something out there and they're searching for it and they want it and they want it now. Yeah. Um, but it and, looks different. And I love, I love, by the way, you guys are going to notice this. Uh, Jeff is an off the chart Enneagram one. For those of you who know this, uh, I'm a, a ravenous bloodthirsty Enneagram eight. And so, okay, I'll save you. So he, so he is always going to find the positive, the great, the awesome. And I'm going to be like, you want to see this insidious movement? You know what this means? It means I have to close out every podcast so people will come back. <laughs> You're the hug. You're I am the, the hug. hug. But no, I think I think that we're. I mean, there is an expansionism of oh, of, of modern evangelicalism. Well, I think there's money in that. Bingo. Right. So we can't deny it. Right. Um, 
but I think that's when you're looking at it from maybe, hope I don't offend, maybe from your training. Correct. As the professional Correct. preacher Christian. Correct. We look at it from an organizational standard and going out mm-hmm. where I'm sitting here going, well, I was the guy that was raised in the church but said this doesn't match. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And then went, hold on, there's something there. How do I live in a church and work in a church with people that are fallen just like me? Mm-hmm. And how do I find my way back into that? So I think you've got these two things happening and especially in the United States, I think we've got this huge problem of acquiring. Right. There's consumerism running rampant. Do you remember now, the prayer of Jabez when it was all the rage? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, Expand yeah. my territory. The no, Yes, I realize that that's part of the text. I realize I'm not <laughs> denigrating the scripture, but the idea that, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. you're on planet Earth and all you have to do is put your quarter into this cosmic yep. vending machine and God is going to give you whatever you want regardless of what of anybody else mm-hmm. around you. It's that idea of expansionism, and yep. I think that that plays into the question that I had for right now, and that is, where is the church in, in terms of relevance? Mm. Because, yeah, we're seeing a lot of expansion, sure. but we're also seeing a lot of exodus. And we're going to talk mm. about that in future yeah. episodes. But but where's the church in terms of relevance? Because I, I have some thoughts, but before I go there, I want to, I want to hear what you think. Well, and I think, yeah, and I'm really interested in hearing that. And by the way, these, these podcasts are going to be somewhat off the cuff and right. conversations that we've had or not had. Correct. Um, but I think there is, um, I think there is some relevance and some not because there is this, uh, I, I get a sense of the people that I see fairly frequently, whether at work or school or wherever that, um, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Right. 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 And so Uh with those folks, I don't know how much the church has a a relevance there. Um, And not saying that you have to be in a church to be a spiritual being and in touch with God. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think it has lost some of the relevance there. I think Um, part of it's because Christians have, I mean, this was my big part. I think part of it is because people who claim to be Christians have lost the information war. Oh, okay. We've got an entire internet, a global network of almost limitless information and the rest of the world has embraced it. They've made themselves smarter. They're building AI robots that are going to take <laughs> us to the planet Pluto. You know, they're doing yeah. all these things that are brilliant and beautiful and amazing. <laughs> and 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 there's a huge portion of us as a body that's afraid to embrace that. You and know, you guys can't see me nodding. I'm in 100% agreement. Yeah, I think we've lost or not lost. I think that we are losing in an age of information, we've not kept up. No. We've just not. No. What's coming to mind is um, you're talking about AI, and you know most churches are still looking for boot up disk three. You know? <laughs> right. And how do I put this in my floppy drive? We you just know? installed a dot matrix printer. Yeah, and yeah. we're about to move past DOS. I know. this thing called Windows. It's revolutionary. So, yeah. It's a wave of the future. But absolutely. I mean... And and we can get into the why and the where and all yeah. of that, but they're definitely not reaching. And then when, when churches do reach, the others tend to sling stones, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and not that, that churches fall um, because they you know seek relevance or try to be hip and cool. Um, I mean, churches fall because that's what they've done. Right. They've always, you know, they're made of people. Right. How can we expect that not to happen? Um, and I know this is shocking to some of you guys that are listening to this, some of you people that are listening. And forgive me for you guys. I understand I'm speaking <laughs> to everyone. It's, I say the same thing. Um, but 
we are not trying to be hard on the church, right? But we want to be honest. This yep. is an honest audit of where we are. Absolutely. So if we, if we're going to be honest about it, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror, in my opinion, and ask if we have become irrelevant, or if there is a large swath of irrelevance in the church. Why should we care? As believers, yep. why does it matter um, when you talk about? You mentioned just a minute ago when we win people. You know, the mm-hmm. end, you almost you almost mentioned you almost said that the fall of a church is inevitable. Yeah, you know, uh, and and we're not trying to say that the church is a failure because it's not. As as Christ designed, the church is amazing. Yeah. It's this unbelievable living, breathing organism that weaves in and in us and outside of us and through us, and it brings complete enemies together. Well, and that's the thing. When we think about an honest audit, we have to ask the question, what is the church? Right. It's not the building. It's not the name on the sign out front, big C, little C, you know, everything begins with Z. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is what is the church? And the reality is the church that we see Jesus preaching and building to was people. Mm-hmm. And those people are not Jesus. Right. And so we're going to see flaws. We're going to see mistakes happen, sometimes willful, sometimes not. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that that is part of living with people. I think you said it in the last podcast, it's messy. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. It's gloriously and, uh, messy because, and I say yeah. that, I jokingly say that because there is beauty in that mess. There's there's so much almost almost unintentional art in the yeah. shrapnel. Yes, you know, when, absolutely. When we look at that, I think it can be beautiful, but we have to train ourselves to look for it, and we have yes. not done that. Yes. Um, I've got several mentors uh, that do not attend the church that I attend. Uh, they are in a totally different faith and live totally different lives. We don't agree politically. We don't agree uh, on all things spiritually, theologically. But one thing that uh, they teach is we need to look for God sightings in everything that we do. Whether I'm at work working on a a project and getting ready to um, put something out in front of a crowd, I need to look for where is God in this communication? Where is God in this email? Where is God in this Teams chat? You know, and, and all of the work that we do there. Now, here's the other thing that I think is is critical um, and this is totally off script, so you can throw stones at me later. Um, we're <laughs> we, now. Go for know, it. Folks, we don't have a script. It's, I mean, I've got a note page. Yeah. So here's the – yeah, and that, it's metaphorically, right, yeah, the script. Because yeah. you and I have not talked about this. But one of the things that keeps popping up in my world, in almost all parts of my world, is the same thing that C.S. Lewis was dealing with, and that is what do you do with pain? Mm -hmm. And I do not feel the church has dealt well enough with pain to maintain relevance. Right. Now, in the American church, as the government major degree in public admin over here, um, I think one of the things that we have done is we have sold out our church to the government. When churches stopped building orphanages, when they stopped taking in widows, when they stopped building hospitals, and the government says, I'll take care of your health care. We've got DHS that's going to take care of your children. And they reply with one less bill to pay. You exactly. go right ahead. Exactly. Oh, I can't wait to dive in. We, we'll, we'll cover this a lot deeper. Yep. So I think that is part of the relevance problem, too, yeah. is because they don't. The, many churches do not step up and say, 
we know you're hurting. We are here. A lot of churches talk about being Acts 2 churches. Yeah. Right? They talk about being Acts 2 churches. Acts 2, for those of you who aren't quite as uh, versed in in that passage, is the day of Pentecost. It's repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38. It's it's the Holy Spirit coming down like tongues of fire. And they love talking about being Acts 2 churches when they have these charismatic displays, but they forget the part where they sold everything they had and shared it. Yeah. Uh, and so, no, that's not communism, right. as I was told as a child. Right. You know, is this Jesus, is he a communist or is he a patriot? Right. Yeah, Jesus was um, a pinko. Neither. Neither. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or yes, both. So what this drives um, people to, and this is the heart of, of, of what I want us to talk about today before we go entirely too long. Our goal is to keep these 30 minutes and under. Um, <laughs> is the phenomenon. It's a new phenomenon. It's a phenomenon the church now is facing, and many, especially evangelical circles, are very uh, nervous to embrace, yep. talk about, discuss, and that is the phenomenon of deconstruction. Mm, Decons- said it. I know. The D <gasps> word. I know, right? Uh, so deconstruction is um, the result, I believe, of a lot of the lack of relevance that we have expressed and we've talked about through, you know, for example, I myself, would I say that I've gone through deconstruction? I think to a degree, yes. Um, I I think that many people, if they're being honest with themselves, have. But Mm -hmm. also I think there are some, uh, there are some misconceptions about True, you know, true deconstruction. Now, um, when I say true deconstruction, that's almost a misnomer because I don't know of any official definition of what (laughs) deconstruction is, but it's the idea as as I know it. And please email us smoking, 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 smoking goats, the smoking goats. No, it's (laughs) spotted spotted goats podcast at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. I will not own whatever you find at smoking goats.com. No, please do not go there under any urging of us. Uh, I love cigars, man. I can't help it. And, you know, I just, it's a thing. So uh, the idea of deconstruction is the result, I believe, of this relevance war that Mm -hmm. we've been dealing with. And that relevance war is one uh, that if we're losing it, you've got people that are leaving. Yep. You've got people that are deciding that either A, worst case scenario, they're just done with church. Yes. It's all in their mind. It's all a lie. None of it makes sense. Uh, they've, They've seen one too many instances of church abuse. Yep. And and they are hurt, and rightfully so. And by the way, if you're a victim of church abuse or church trauma, uh, I've seen it. My son is a victim of it, um, and I will tell you that uh, I'm sorry. Absolutely. I, I, I'm sorry that you had to experience that if you've gone through that and you did not deserve it. You did nothing to deserve it, and it's wrong, and it's not just sin. It's horrible. Yep. Uh, so if you've experienced that, regardless of your response to it, I'm sorry that you've had to experience that. And if you have experienced that, you don't necessarily have to walk through that alone. Right. Find somebody, whether it's grandma, friend at work, counselor, find somebody that you can work through that with. Because that's going to pop up over and over and over again, even if you leave a church. Mm -hmm. And let this be a call for those of us who are are followers of Jesus Mm -hmm. to think about how we are being there for those people that have been injured in his name. But uh, we can talk about that later. (laughs) Deconstruction, though, the idea that at some point you reach a point in your faith where you take an 
take a look, a critical look at every single thing that you believe, the foundations of your faith growing up, and you strip those away and you start over with the text. And, 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 and that's my idea. Some people don't start with the text, and I don't think that that's deconstruction necessarily. Um, but in, in my mind, as I defined it, as I experienced it and I went through it, I defined deconstruction as a taking away of your childhood faith, throwing all that aside, mm-hmm. and saying, what does the Word say about God? And I'm going to be about that. Yep. And, I'm not, and it's not just what I need to do. It's what does the Bible tell me about God mm-hmm. and about the story of God? What is that experience? Uh, starting at the text and building your way up. And, and there has to be, you know, the difference. There are a lot of our evangelical friends, especially, that really pucker up mm-hmm. right there on the seat line yep. when they hear that word deconstruction. I've heard a lot of people use it as just a lazy, you know, an educated person's word for being lazy and leaving the church. Mm-hmm. You know, something of that nature. I wholeheartedly disagree. I think you're wrong. Um, I think it's entirely too critical of people that are being critical of themselves. Uh, deconstruction to me is not an assault on the church. It's one's examination. It's one's surgery on themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, de- the, the, I did hear a friend of mine who is a, he's a hardcore evangelical. Uh, he said that deconstruction is just an excuse to leave the church. Um, I think my opinion, you tell me what you think. Deconstruction is not deconstruction unless there's reconstruction. Yeah, agreed. Um, and and I think that that is one thing that uh, the church itself, speaking about the body of Christ, not the buildings and institutions, but the body of Christ, I think, needs to step up and help with that because I think it's perfectly natural at some point in your life to question. And, um, you know, I like to say I was raised by a, a, a Nixon Republican and a Kennedy Democrat, right? right? Um, I had a, a staunch conservative and a hippie in the house (laughs) and one whose faith is rock solid, unquestioned. Um, and that's where he is. Me and Jesus have made a deal. I'm keeping up my end and I have faith. He'll keep his. And then the other was like, "Mm, I don't know. What does he say about this? What does he think about that? And by having both of those voices in my life, I think that's one of the reasons I came back. Um, I think it's also worth saying that there are some older religions out there Mm -hmm. that actually encourage uh, at a certain point in your life questioning and walking away. Um, I can think of one that actually says, you're on your own for a year and we believe you'll come back. Do you know which one that is? Um, I can't remember if it's the Mennonite church or the Amish church, but right. they have this period of discernment. There are definitely they, horse and buggies involved. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and if anybody out there knows more, send it in. Yeah. Would please let us know. Uh, this is one of those things. Don't know all the answers, but I did uh, work in a community um, that did have uh, folks that, that uh, believe those, those things. And we would talk about it because I was working for the Boy Scouts at the time. And as they talked about things that they do with their boys, hard work, dedicated memorization of scripture, you know, taking care of the family, holding on to rites and, and rituals from days gone by. But uh, some of these men, these older men in the congregation there, we talked about the fact that they encourage their boys to take this year and go see what's out in the world. Because when you right. do see what's in the world, you will see how good and true the church is and you will come back. And I think a lot of churches would be afraid of that. And the reason I say that is because 
all you have to do is say deconstruction and they panic. Mm -hmm. We can either embrace it or we can run from it. Whether you whether or not you like it or agree with it, it's here. It is here. And it's being discussed. And I think I think there are folks that do never question. And I at times wish I was that person. Um, yeah, it, it would be, be so much easier. It, we wouldn't be would. sitting here doing a podcast. <laughs> right. But and I can tell you that I had never heard the words deconstruction before until yeah. recently. But as I talk to folks, um, that happened. That happened to me. Um, being raised in a church and then realizing and and in the you know because I'm going to bring the the counseling therapeutic environment to this when we look for congruence and incongruence we need to pay attention when incongruence shows up explain I, that in I, a I nutshell I see this but I don't feel it right. I think it but I don't feel it um I know what you're telling me but something doesn't match and when we This see is why that, he's the smart one, everyone. <laughs> this is why Jeff is the smart one right. on this podcast. Yeah, I'm full of it. So um but the thing is is like when we see those things and they don't match, right. what do we do with it? And I think some of the older traditions would say we embrace it. God's big enough for that. It's interesting how it's the older traditions, it the ones is. with more mileage and more maturity. Uh-huh. Because maybe they've been, been there through it yeah. Uh, yeah maybe they've been there done Odd that thought. so but, weird yeah and i know in my story um i did i had people praying for me that i didn't know at the time um i knew them i didn't know they were doing that right right and um as i did walk away and i did question my questions always came up with pain why why if he is so this and that why do i hurt yeah why do i see people hurt and nobody had a great answer, and so I left. It, isn't it interesting too how pain is often that motivator for one's critique of their own of their own belief structures? Hmm. How about that? Pain is the catalyst. You know, experience is the catalyst for uh, deconstruction. Yeah, and that's what and that's what leads us into. You know, I think uh, was it it wasn't C.S. Lewis that called it the dark night of the soul. I no, uh, where was that? The, my memory for this stuff is horrid. Yeah. But but nonetheless, it's it's almost like that dark night of the soul yeah. where one realizes that change... Of course, it wasn't C.S. Lewis. I'm an idiot. It was in Don Quixote, wasn't it? Listen. Keep, night of the mirrors. Keep farm animals out of this. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you said that as a spotted goat. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Once again, never claim to be perfect, everybody. No, the, um, but the the idea that pain uh, makes you have that moment where you can't rely on anything of yourself anymore. Yeah. And I've had that, and I ha- and I continue to have that. That's you know in our mental health epidemic in the mm-hmm. United States, and that's a whole other episode. Yep. Uh, but that's why so many people are, are are looking to the church, and the church is left wanting for answers. Yes. And that's why we we want we believe like I I and Jeff as well we believe that the church as Christ designed it as we read about it in the text mm-hmm. has the answers that the the uh, framework for healing for people of multiple circumstances yep. of all sorts of different circumstances but we've lost ourselves we've lost the plot in many ways and mm-hmm. that's why deconstruction is important yep. Uh, I, I realized that when I went through it, I came out and realized that a lot of the things that I had been taught as doctrine was tradition. Yes. And, and in learning that, it was so freeing. 
Yeah. It, it, it set me free to be able to embrace the God of the, the Old Testament, for example. Yeah. That's one. We can go there forever. Sure. Um, but the, what, I want us, what I want to realize is the idea behind where we're headed with this is that the church's call. If you read about in Matthew, uh, Matthew 28, 19, and I want to read it in my personal favorite uh, version. Good old New King James, everybody. Um, in in twenty eight nineteen of Matthew, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he continues to speak on. The word there in the Greek, and no, you don't have to know Greek to be a good Christian. It helps to know a little bit. But the word there in the Greek for disciple is not believer. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So we we get so focused on just go out there and convince people and use apologetics and prove that they're wrong until they believe and agree with us. And then Mm -hmm. once they make believers, then everything is great. And that's your job. You go out there and find people and browbeat them till they completely agree with you in Jesus' name. (laughs) And and, and that's not what we're called Mm -hmm. to do. No. And I think deconstruction is making is is making so many disciples now because I realize that in my own brokenness I could do nothing on my own. Yeah, I could do. And I'm look, I'm an Enneagram eight. I'm a high D disc personality. I'm I'm ready fire aim. I want to find any way that I can to make things right and make them right yesterday. Right, mm-hmm. but I know that I can't do anything without God, and 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 I was made a believer a long time ago, but I only became a disciple after I realized this, and that was Jesus's call yep. was to make a disciple, to make disciples of all the nations, and what that means is people who follow the rabbi, and when you follow the rabbi in that ancient culture, what that meant was you imitated. The rabbi, you didn't. You didn't just listen to him and kind of agree with what he said and think, "Man, that's a smart rabbi." If if he stopped at this time to eat, you stopped at this time to eat. If he read into these scriptures, then you read into these scriptures. You used the rabbi as your model for living, and then you, when you became the rabbi or when you became the head of your household, you then took the metaphorical hands and feet of those teachings of your rabbi, and you went and blessed other people with those. That's so much richer than believing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't believe. If that's all you heard, <laughs> then you need to rewind. I'm saying that there's a huge difference in go and make believers yep. and go and make disciples. Yep. Well, and sometimes I think as you're reconstructing that, it's not a fake it till you make it. Right. But I think we need to remember that the word discipleship starts with the word dis- discipline. Correct. It is a way of Similar doing root things, word. right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm thinking of several folks that want to believe they're local here where we are, and they attend a service every Sunday. Right. And they are very dedicated members of the church. Right. But they're not sure if they believe but they definitely want to follow this guy. Right. And they have spent their lives as disciples. And when I ask, okay, so do you believe? And their response is, I'm not sure. But I'm believing that. I would take a thousand I'm not sure. Yes. Over ten false absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that these folks that are doing this, that I could name names, but I won't. Yeah, don't. um, They... They are serving as, as you mentioned, hands and feet. You know, they are there taking care of, of babies with AIDS. They are there, you know, helping the widows. They are there handing out coats in the winter. And they're doing this on their own. 
because the guy they read about said to love everybody. Not love everybody if they agree with them. Not love everybody if they've tried hard enough but still can't reach the goal. Um, it's just love everybody. Mm-hmm. And so they've dedicated their lives to this. Right. And they're very successful in their occupations. But if you asked them what the most important piece of their life was, it would be that practice, that discipline of following Jesus. And um, so I find that to be a, a huge piece of this. And I think that reconstruction piece is where that comes in. Right. Is we can't just tear it down and leave a void. Um, nature of Yeah, that's not deconstruction. Void. That's destruction. That's, yeah. that's vandalism yep. in the name of, of self-improvement. Yep. And much like guilt and shame, I don't know that destruction has any part in, in God's being. I'm pretty sure it's not one of the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> yes, very true. And we're not singing the song. What's interesting? No, we are not. We are not. Sorry to my wife. We are not going to sing that song. No, I, I think, and to the point to that, and we'll wrap this up, but the the example of that family that you just referred to, mm-hmm. it's amazing how God, once again, to our theme from last time, yep. God does what he wants with whom he wants. Yes. And we're not the ones that hold the checklist. Right. You know, God, if, if God sees you know, motivation that's in keeping with his purposes, yep. then he uses them. And, yep. and by the way, if you said, oh, yeah, well, as long as they, then rethink that. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'll say on it is I think one of the things we have to remember is something I was taught several years ago, being raised in a tradition where communion was reserved for those that had been baptized and believed, answered the questions, were the right age, et cetera, et cetera. I walked into a church that I was not a member of, and they were about to have communion. And I asked a member of the clergy, am I allowed? And the response was beautiful. I don't know. It's not my table, but all have been called to eat. And there's no better way to uh, sign out on this than uh, that. Thanks for listening to the Spotted Goats podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you all.